Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. Hi, I'm Hamid. And I'm Mandy. And welcome to our um, next episode. So our previous talk was mainly about general bone and cartilage structures and with a bit of uh, a bit of emphasis on some of the other components. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to just expand on what we've talked about and talk about osteogenesis and bone homeostasis because it's really important to understand this before we talk about some of the diseases that we're planning to talk about I in agree. the future. Yep. So, um, Andy, do you want to kick us off by maybe just refreshing our mind about what are some of the key cells that are found in the bone? Yep. So last episode we talked about a few key cells, but in this one we'll focus mainly on the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts yes yep exactly mm. so osteoblasts yep. uh in one word they build bone whereas osteoclasts be for builder yeah and cost osteoclasts they resorb bone and exactly. we'll talk about how they actually do that yeah so um in our previous episode we mentioned that osteoblasts are derived from mesenchymal progenitors mm-hmm. um so they're from a mesenchymal cell line unlike which is different to osteoclast mm. And I think, I guess in that previous episode, we didn't really talk about how osteoblast development occurs. Now, yep. there's an important gene. I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing it properly, but it's spelled as R-U-N-X-2. So I'm going to pronounce it as RUN-X2, okay. which is a transcription factor expressed on osteoblast progenitors. Okay. Um, now, do you know, do you want to maybe expand on what it does mm. a little bit as well? Okay, so... From what I've read is that it regulates the expression of several very important osteoblast proteins. Yep. One of them is this thing called Osterix transcription factor. Yeah. This is quite important for osteoblast maturation. Uh, there's a few other ones, such as osteoporin, type 1 collagen, etc. But one of these, this one that I'm going to mention next is receptor activator of NF-kappa-B ligand. Yeah. And I, when I read it, I was like, what, what is this? But then when I read the abbreviation RANK, yeah. R-A-N-K, I was like, I was like, oh, so this is what RANK ligands actually stand for. So receptor activator of NF-kappa-B. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's a RANK ligand. It's funny how all these diagrams and all the lectures we've looked at, they've never actually expanded to tell us what it stands for. Yeah. And I think it kind of helps to understand you know, what the abbreviation yeah. means. Out of everything I just said in the last, I don't know, two minutes, probably, if you only remember one name, probably remember rank ligands. Rank. Very important. Rank ligands on osteoblasts. Very yeah. important stuff. Now, the next question is, so, yeah, okay, run X2 is important for um, osteoblast maturation from its progenitors. But the yep. question is, something must be regulating mm. run X2's expression because you can't just have osteoprogenitors constantly mm forming osteoblasts that that's yeah. probably a disease in itself mm. so what regulates its expression so i think it was the bone morphogenic proteins or bmp bmp yeah. but what did they do or like where do we go from here yeah so i, I guess aside so bmp regulates um mm-hmm. the expression of running suit and thereby it regulates the maturation of osteoblasts mm-hmm. i'm actually not 100 percent sure you know what produces bmp um, okay yeah, but I'm in addition gonna, yeah, yeah no i agree i think it's really important but in addition to this, there's lots of other growth factors which are important for osteoblast function. Okay. For example, TGF-beta, um, fibroblast growth factors are, are also important. Yep. Insulin-like growth factors are oh, also wow. very important cool. as well. Yep. And there's hormonal factors like parathyroid hormone and the activated form of vitamin D, which is um, calcitriol yep. or 1,2,5-dihydroxy vitamin D is really important yep. as well. Let's not talk about parathyroid and vitamin D in this episode because mm. that's important for calcium homeostasis, which yep. is going to be hopefully our next topic. But there are a number of regulators, but it's important to be familiar with RONX2 because that really starts the scene yep. and rank ligand, which is mm. very important for another reason, which we'll talk about. Mm. So let's say that um, 
your osteoclast, uh, sorry, your osteoblast complete their activity. Remember what they transform into? They will get engulfed or they, they get buried within the osteoid that pr- they produce and become osteocytes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting about osteocytes, I think you alluded to in our previous episode, is that mm. um, they, they kind of behave in the lacunas as mechanoreceptors. So they detect pressure onto the bone yeah. and they communicate to you know other cells, for example, osteoblasts or osteo, um, osteoclasts via the um, cannuliculi, which yep. are those you know channels that link them all together, yep. and then that then dictates whether a bone is formed or whether it's destroyed in mm. response to pressure. So that mm. was a really interesting point that you mentioned yeah. in our previous it's, episode. I, I would imagine that uh, if they sense that there's this particular area that doesn't get any stress, then maybe they would say that this is an area you can yeah. get rid of. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So that's where this. We'll talk about homeostasis um, in this episode, but that's where it's important. Yeah. So now. I guess we mentioned that in in our previous episode that you formed these immature bones called osteoids. Yeah, osteoid. yeah, osteoid. Yeah, osteoid. Yeah, yeah. 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 osteoid. Mm. Now, obviously, mineralization needs to take place to make these bones more mature. Does that happen straight away, or does that take a while for it to happen? So the osteoblast will secrete the osteoid, and then it will take time for the calcium hydroxyapatite to crystallize and to uh, mineralize the osteoid into what we call bone exactly so this could the process will begin soon after the matrix is secreted but it won't really get completed for quite a few weeks yeah so that's this knowledge will then further implicate why sometimes fractures take a bit longer to to heal or not absolutely right Mm -hmm. so is there anything else you want to add before we we talk about i think we need to talk about alp or alkaline phosphatases or that's really important yeah um Maybe what was that? So, do you want to talk about what you know, and, and then maybe okay. I can talk about so, what I yeah, know. Yeah, we, we, we both read like different sources, and from from what I read, I was reading Wheatus uh, histology, and so they had a really awesome section on how the mineralization happens. So, in addition to like from what I used to know was that osteo osteoblasts they secrete osteoid, but turns out they secrete osteoid fibers. So this is collagen fibers, and they secrete these uh, matrix vesicles. And these vesicles inside them, they contain alkaline phosphatase. This is an enzyme that can potentially produce uh, phosphate, as well as these matrix vesicles that were secreted by the osteoblasts would be the site where the hydroxyapatite actually targets. So they target the vesicles, and then the osteoid collagen fibers are just caught up in between when the whole thing solidifies and becomes a chunk. Can you just explain that again to me, just because mm. I'm a little bit thick tonight? Okay. Um, so yeah, just so, so, so what secretes the the vesicles? So the osteoblast will secrete fibers, yeah, college uh, the type one collagen fibers, mm-hmm. as well as a um, a matrix vesicle. Yeah. Inside these vesicles, they have alkaline phosphatase oh, okay. and then the minerals or the um, calcium hydroxyapatate from outside that the extracellular components will crystallize at the vesicles ah, so it doesn't really target the fibers it's t- it's targeting the vesicle itself yeah okay mm. got it so um yeah. the way i uh, my understanding of yeah. alkaline phosphatase and i'm i'm sure there's multiple roles for these enzymes um, so so my the, the, the book you know I, I i was reading um harrison's internal medicine and i came across um mm. uh, alkaline phosphatase as potentially enabling oste- um, bone formation by inhibiting um, factors that are found in the extracellular matrix of the immature bone that inhibits um, bone formation. So by removing those through its enzymatic activity, then it facilitates osteoblasts, you know, to form bones. Oh, that's awesome. Now, the other point is that alkaline phosphatase is also abbreviated as ALP. And if you guys remember our um, gastrointestinal episodes, uh, particularly the liver ones, we came across ALP, didn't we? Yeah. Is it the same ALP? 
I, I believe they are the same enzyme and enzyme group I yeah think. enzyme group so that's yeah. why um at the time when we learned it that uh, in the liver they said that alk- alkaline phosphatase can be raised in a lot of di- for a lot of different reasons one of them was bone and yeah at the time i didn't really fully appreciate it now you know things are starting to click isn't it amazing when you just see the puzzles forming together oh, it's, it's so the best nice. part of um, studying medicine yes um so that's all i want to talk about in terms of bone formation um it's you know mm. so the important point was that there are lots of regulators yeah particularly the one that you guys should know is rank because yep. that's also a therapeutic target which we'll talk about in osteoprosis yeah um there are hormonal factors as well parathyroid hormone and uh, activated or calcitriol which is activated vitamin d yeah um but let's leave it at that let's yep. quickly talk about osteoclasts as well so do you remember what osteoclasts do from our um, previous episode? so from the previous episode we talked about osteoclasts are the guys that resorb bone yes yeah and um they are unlike osteoblasts they come from a different cell lineage which are macrophages and i think it's quite easy to remember because macrophages eat and engulf right yeah so so they're phagocytes yeah they're phagocytes so these osteoclasts are multinucleated cells yes and i think what's interesting is that osteoclasts are intimately linked to the activity of osteoblasts because Mm -hmm. the maturation of osteoclasts which we'll talk about in in a moment really Mm -hmm. depends on its a relationship to osteoblast or stromal cells, which are the supportive huh. cells within the bone uh, as well. Okay. So there are two important hormones that are, that are worth mentioning. Do you want to maybe talk about MCSF? Yeah. Which we've come across in hematology. Yeah. CSF stands for colony stimulating factor. And so MCSF means the macrophage colony stimulating factor. Yep. These guys are secreted, I think, by the stromal cells surrounding it. As well as, I think, uh, osteoblasts produce it as well. So osteoblasts and the stromal cells in the bone, around the bone marrow, secrete the stimulating factor to create osteoclasts, uh, so leading to osteoclast progenitors. Yeah to fuse together mm-hmm. and become an osteoclast. So become a mature yeah. osteoclast. So yeah. like with the, with the diagram that I'm looking at right now is that the osteoclast project precursors, they're just these small cells that have a single nucleus. And I'm imagining the reason why osteoclasts are multinucleated huge cells is because lots of these small precursors form together. Yeah, yep. they just come together and aggregate. Cool now, the other one that we keep mentioning is the rank ligand. So okay. the rank ligand is actually expressed on, as we mentioned, stromal cells or the osteoblast, and they get in contact with osteoclast precursors, which are expressing rank receptor. So not oh. the rank, they express the receptor. And so once rank ligand binds on the osteoblast, for mm-hmm. example, binds to the rank receptor on the osteoclast precursor, mm-hmm. it brings about the maturation and osteoclast differentiation uh, from its precursor. So it starts the maturation process as well. I guess it highlights the relationship between osteoblast and osteoclast. And without you know the osteoblast, mm-hmm. osteoclast maturation doesn't really occur, does it? No. Um, from my understanding, because, anyway. So it, re- it relies on the rank ligands on the osteoblast to come in contact with the rank receptors on the osteoclast exactly. precursor. Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is that we yeah. alluded to a couple of hormones such as parathyroid and vitamin D, um, yeah. uh, and they also interact by interacting with osteoblasts. Huh. And then the osteo- the outcome of the osteoblast properties then dictate what happens to osteoclast yeah. um, action. So just keep that in the back of your mind when we start talking about calcium homeostasis in our next episode. Um or, or or a future episode yeah um so that's all i wanted to talk about in terms of osteoclast maturation is there anything else you want to add no i think that's that's quite a lot of detail into it already yeah it's really cool stuff yeah it is it's really interesting so one 
function of osteoclast is bone resorption, as we mentioned. Yes. Now, the question is, how does it occur? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the important uh, attributes that enable this to occur? Firstly, yep. what is the region that resorption occurs? It's a microscopic region, but what's mm-hmm. it called? It's, uh, so, some textbooks call it a scallop space, or another name for it was a Howship's lacunae. Yeah, Howship's the one that I've heard of. Yeah, and what happened was that the osteoclasts, they will attach onto one site of the bone and they would secrete components to digest and um, resorb the bone. Yeah. What's left, if you see a histological slide, is this little gap between where the original bone was and a little divot. And that divot is the Howship's lacuna. Kind of looks like someone's taking a bite out of the bone <laughs> um, in a very microscopic scale. And I, I guess it's important to mention that the protons that are released mm. in this process help solubilize the hydroxyapatate. Yeah. And in, in addition to the proteinases that are also secreted, you begin the digestion process. Yep. Now, the question is, where do the protons come from? So the osteoclasts secrete this proton to digest the bone, and I think they come from the carbonic anhydrase within each cell that breaks water in combination with carbon dioxide into acids and bases. Exactly, and then it just secretes the protons as well um, via uh, uh, proton uh, ATPase. Now, we... Moving on to bone formation, we kind of mentioned in our previous episode there are two types. Let's just cover it again for completeness. Yeah. Um, so there's endochon- uh, endochondral bone formation, yep. which, um, as we mentioned, was when you replace cartilage with bone. Yes. Now, what sort of growth does that enable? We didn't mention that in our previous no, episode. No, we didn't. So this is a bit of new information to lay up on top of the stuff we told you yet last time. Endochondral bone formation is very important for elongating growth. Yeah. And so how what happens is that endochondral bone formation will replace cartilage with bone. Yes. And this happens in long bones and um, we'll go through the steps of why, how it elongates yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important. Mm. Um, there's also another type of growth, isn't there? Yeah. Which is the intramembranous ossification. Um, yeah. Do you want to just remind me what that is? So that one was where you directly replaced the surrounding primitive mesenchymal tissue with bone. Yeah. And so this is how bones grow in width. So, not so in thickness, in not thick- in length. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can think of it as just osteoblasts spewing more osteoid on top of the old bone. And mm-hmm. that way it's just lying, laying layer upon layer. Um, so this way it doesn't involve cartilages and it will just make it grow in thickness. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This, I guess, is the ultimate point of this talk is about the homeostasis and remodeling. And I think we've kind of alluded to a few key points that are going to help in, in understanding this. Yeah. But what's important is that the bone is constantly turning over. I think the stats that I've come across in my reading is about 10% a year, which means that mm-hmm. over 10 years, you can essentially have all your bones replaced completely new, <laughs> nice. um, which is really interesting. So, yeah. you know, if you live to the age of 80, I mean, this is very theoretical, you could potentially replace your bones eight times yeah. from the time you were born, which is pretty <laughs> new skeletons. Pretty crazy. Nice. Um, and at the there's a specific term about the locus or the location in which 
bone resorption, uh, bone mm. you know remodeling occurs, and that, I think that's called the bone or basic multicellular unit. Yeah, uh, abbreviated right. as BMU. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to maybe talk about how yep. how this whole thing works? So these units they have osteoblasts and osteoclasts coupled to each other, so mm. they work in unison. So what happens is that the osteoclast will come along and resorb a bone, leave a big hole, and then yep. the osteoblast will go, "Oh my god, you you left a hole. I need to fill it now." Yeah, and so they'll come over and fill it up. And luckily, what that means is that that new osteoid that's laid down will have new calcium hydroxyapatite to come down and mineralize mm. and you've got this new yep. bone that's formed across the purpose of this isn't just to keep the two cells quite busy and you know yeah. finding something for them to do but also for them to find old patches of bone and then that would get replaced with new yep. new ones basically you're repairing so some micro fractures as mm-hmm. well that, that's what i understand and also it's important for calcium homeostasis. Oh yes, homeostasis as well, and that's why. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we keep mentioning calcium homeostasis. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a in a future episode, yeah. but that's what it's important. So yeah, for. you're right because when osteoclasts they um they resorb the bone that releases calcium, and then the osteoblast will take calcium from the surrounding and put it into the bone. exactly once yeah. your calcium levels or mm. your intake is normalized. Mm. Now there are, as we mentioned, there are cytokine factors that you need to be aware of. Okay, and again, this goes back to our you know osteoblast osteoclast interaction, and that's why they're so intimately linked. Mm. It again relates to rank, which okay. we mentioned before, which active uh, brings about osteoclast maturation and activity, mm-hmm. and it also relates to rank ligand, which facilitates all this. Yeah, there's a new protein or ligand that we haven't mentioned yet and mm-hmm. i think it's really important for us to mention it now i think it stands for, uh, the, i probably not i'm not pronouncing it properly but the way i've read it is osteoprotegarin protegarin yes, or right. o- opg for short let's go with that so what opg does is that it basically binds onto i believe the rank ligand yeah and so that prevents the rank ligand from activating rank receptors on the Osteoclast precursors. So the rank ligand is on osteoblasts, which or is stromal cells. Yeah. Stromal cells. Yeah. And so it inhibits the interaction between osteoblasts and osteoclasts, which express the lang- osteoclast precursors. Yeah. Which then form osteoclasts. Exactly. But so if you inhibit that interaction, yeah. then osteoclasts don't mature. Yes. So then it, the, the balance favors bone formation as opposed to bone destruction. Yes. Exactly. Um, now, my question to you is yeah. what actually then regulates the expression of OPG? Um, which is that osteoprotegarin that we talk about. There's a um, mm. there's a factor that mm. I think starting with W. Mm. I don't know what it actually stands for, mm. but do you remember what it does? So I think like you mentioned to to me earlier about this thing. So you you call it the WNT slash uh, or beta catenin pathway. So I think it's WNT and beta catenin pathway. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so these WNT proteins they are produced by osteoprogenitor cells. Yep. And they bind to this LRP5 and LRP6 receptors on osteoblasts, which trigger beta-catenin to produce OPG. Yep. And, and so, so that's how OPG is produced. Yeah. And I think there's another important um, mm-hmm. protein that's produced as a counteractive measure by the osteocytes, and that's called um, scler- um, sclerostin. Okay. Or, yeah, I think it's called sclerostin. Yep. And that actually inhibits... W um, WNT because you just can't have WNT mm. going berserk because that then you're going to have these bones that are constantly being formed and that you know could potentially be pathological in yeah. itself. So there's all these measures that counteract one another. Yeah. So um, osteoprotegarin or OPG inhibits rank ligand and WNT WNT via the beta catenin pathway 
yeah. you know, causes OPG production. And then there's something that inhibits WNT. So that's your sclerostin. So yeah. it's a bit complicated. Yeah. But if you guys have a read of, you know, good reputable textbooks, you, I'm sure you'll get the handle on this. Now, the question is, once your bone is formed, is there an age at which you, you actually reach your peak bone mass? And then yeah. I think it's downhill from there, isn't there? Definitely. So that age is from from memory i think it's around about 35 36 years Roughly of age. There, yeah. yeah and so up to um so up in your 20s and early 30s you're still building up your skeletal uh, well the um the bone mass and once you hit that point unfortunately resorption will outweigh your formation because you're getting the fourth decade of life yeah, yeah and so it will start eating away at the bone mass that you have built up and an osteoblast, I don't think, have enough time to actually replace the bone that's been lost. No. What actually determines your you know, mm. bone density, like peak yep. bone density? There are a couple of factors, aren't there? Yep. And these factors, I think, are very important to remember so that you can actually give this as advice to people mm. later on in a pathology called osteoporosis to what you can do to increase your bone mass. Well, some things are unmodifiable factors, such yep. as your genetics. So let's say if you've got a family history of um, osteoporosis, and that means that your genes are just more predisposed to have lower levels of bone mass. Yeah, so possibly. That's not something you can change too much. Um, but in terms of other things, what you can have is um, so good nutrition, so high levels of calcium and phosphate. So they're the environmental factors, aren't they? Yeah, so these yeah. are modifiable factors, um, where if you have enough high levels of calcium and phosphate, that mm-hmm. means that there's more bone uh, uh, calcium and phosphate deposited into your bone so i yeah. think that would secondarily increase your bone mass yeah um physical activity so some good weight training so putting some stress onto those bones will encourage those osteoclasts inside to to keep a certain level of bone mass oh or the osteoblast i think not osteoclast oh no yeah sorry Oste- sorry, osteocytes, I was thinking osteocytes and so yeah. anyways. Um, but you get the, the you whole get point the is if you add lots of weight load, and it's only yeah. we need to stress that it, cardio, we've been told, doesn't do this, it's mainly um, weight, you know, weight training that yeah. does it. So, um, anything that it so, requires lifting, so that know, rolls out swimming or hydrotherapy, I think so, cycling as well, apparently. Yeah, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's all the weight training yeah. exercises that um, uh, it stimulate osteocytes to cause bone formation by osteoblast maturation yeah there's also you know age unfortunately as you age your bone density as we mm-hmm. mentioned just decreases okay for either due to lack of vitamin d exposure mm-hmm. or um just reduced intake yeah but hormones are important as well because as you age particularly for women they might undergo menopause yeah and we haven't directly talked about this but estrogen is important yeah and we'll talk about it i think when we talk about um you know uh, osteoporosis but also calcium homeostasis is there anything else you want to add to that I think we've talked about plenty enough today. I think so. I think we'll leave it at that. But the key take-home message is that rank ligand is really important. Mm -hmm. Osteoblasts play an important role in osteoclast maturation. And there are a number of important regulators, both hormonal, such Mm -hmm. as parathyroid and vitamin D, as well as chemical uh, cytokines, such as TGF and uh, and other mediators. That's important to be aware of. Let's leave it at that. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks for joining in, guys. So in our next episode, I think we'll maybe talk about some joints, yeah. uh, d- describing what a joint is, and then maybe if we have um, time in the future, we'll talk about some calcium homeostasis as well. Definitely. So thanks for joining in. And we'll see you next time. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer, Gautam, and our core editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. 
And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.